Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you so much for listening to KPCG Radio. We have a large selection of radio shows available to you at kpcg.fm. You can listen live there. You can get the archives of all the shows. And you can also listen live over the radio here in the Edmond, Oklahoma area at 101.3 on the FM dial. KPCG Radio. Here is the key to avoiding deception. Once you are a part of God's truth and work, you must cling to it like a drowning man to a helping hand. This is a quote from Philadelphia Church of God, Pastor General Gerald Fleury's free book, Malachi's Message. On page eight of the introduction, you can go to thetrumpet.com and read Malachi's Message for free there and also get your free copy. Malachi's Message. Essentially, the book that transitioned God's one true church on earth from the sixth church era to the seventh, from the worldwide church of God to the PCG. Now, a lot of similar material has been covered this week on the Trumpet Daily. The Bible study series has been about Malachi's message. Last week, there was a show about the all-out attack on truth given by guest host Andrew Loker. So, of course, a lot of these shows do cover similar topics at times, but of course, hopefully with unique perspectives, different angles given by different speakers, different focuses on perhaps slightly different parts of these books. But this is just a classic quote from Malachi's message. You get that vivid picture of a man who is drowning and just flailing in the water for anything he can latch on to. I think of the Titanic and the crash of that seemingly invincible ship. And all these people just helplessly floundering in the water. Most of them could not reach a rescue boat in time. Plenty of rescue boats did not even try to pick up more of the drowning people, even if they did have room on those boats. And of course, on top of not being able to hold on to anything, not being able to tread water forever, these people were also freezing to death. 
in a situation like that, seconds from death, how happy do you think those people would have been to see a hand reaching down toward them, ready to pull them out of that frigid water and onto a lifeboat? Do you think of God's truth this way? As literally the only thing rescuing you from drowning in this world? That is how essential God's truth really is. And it probably is necessary from time to time to hear a reminder of this. Obviously, in the moment when we are drowning to death physically, hopefully we're never in that situation, but we would be desperate and urgent for any possible way of escape. Are we that urgent when it comes to seeking out God's truth and clinging to it? Never letting it go, never letting a liar steal it from us. God's church has been tested on this issue. God has wanted to see whether his people would hold on to the truth or just casually let it slip away. We can all ask ourselves which category we're in. Do we love the truth? Are we eager for more of it? Or could we take it or leave it, essentially? Second Thessalonians 2 verse 15 says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So there's God's word. We can study the Bible. We have ministers and all kinds of content that supplements and is built on what you can read in the Bible. So much truth just pouring out upon us. And God wants to see if we will stand fast and hold those traditions. The word hold there means to use strength, to seize. This is not some simple limp-wristed type of holding fast or holding the traditions. Not just maybe holding on to your keys and swinging them around your fingers as you walk into work. This is like a death grip on the truth seizing and gripping it and squeezing it so that no one can pry it away from us this takes active focused intense effort when it comes to the truth holding on to it like this the way this verse second thessalonians 2 verse 15 describes there is nothing casual about it 
So yes, that can be a challenge, but at the same time, it's also really motivating. Here's a good reason for holding on to the truth. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So when we dig into Bible study, we're showing God how much we value the truth. And that pleases him. If you want to make God happy with you, you prioritize in-depth Bible study. God will really appreciate and highly esteem that. The word approved there, when it says study to show yourself approved unto God, can mean properly acceptable. So approved or tried. God is testing our love of the truth. And he will find it acceptable <laughs> if we are really studying hard. He's not ever going to be knocked over <laughs> by our puny human efforts. But we can be acceptable in his sight when we do study the right way. So Malachi's message, this bridge between the Philadelphia era of the church and the Laodicean era of the church, where tens of thousands of God's own people fell asleep spiritually and God used one man to write one book to reveal where God was working, where God had moved the lamp. After that sixth era. Now God's church today is called the Philadelphia Church of God because this is a loyal Philadelphian remnant. You can see in Revelation chapter 3, God has good things to say about the Philadelphians and, and pretty bad things to say about the Laodiceans. We are striving to uphold those loyal Philadelphian traits, hence the name of this church. So we are like the Philadelphia remnant within the Laodicean era. In this book, Malachi's Message, again, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, Mr. Flurry is making... One point over and over again here, right at the start. In the introduction, in chapter one as well. And this theme does continue throughout the book. We've touched on it a bit here already. But really, the point is, it's all about the message. We can be let down by human beings by physical leaders. They can change. They can go from 
Heroes to villains. Seemingly overnight, sometimes. A lot of people maybe we've looked up, looked up to in society who then caved to the mob or they flip-flopped when they used to have a more admirable, courageous stance and then got scared of what people who attacked them would have to say. And so they backed off. Plenty of people are proving to be cowards today. People we once thought were role models. So yes, if we are looking to human beings, we're going to be let down. The solution is to look not to human beings, but to the truth. That can apply to really anything. <laughs> it can apply to the society around us. It can apply to God's truth, spiritual truth. It can apply to plenty of situations in our everyday lives. We have to be seeking the truth, constantly searching for the truth, valuing the truth above all else. The introduction of Malachi's message on page 7 says, There are three parts to this equation. One, God. Two, his message. And three, the human messenger. Keeping your focus on God and his message is the only way to follow the right messenger. Man's biggest spiritual flaw has always been losing sight of God's message. There is a tendency for human beings to hold up other human beings as idols. It's called hero worship. And yet, so much of the time, those people are not even worth admiring. Or they might be admirable in some ways and, like I said, could just change overnight or let you down in some way. So much of the time, we tend to focus on the human being rather than the real depth and substance. In this case, God and his message. The human messenger is not the most important part. It's God and his message delivered by his human messenger. So if we keep our focus on those first and second parts of the equation, God and his message, we'll definitely know who his human messenger is today, that third part. In Malachi's message, Mr. Flurry gives an example of someone in the Worldwide Church of God who had left and become part of another offshoot church. And this minister was talking on and on and on about how if Mr. Armstrong, the late Worldwide Church of God founder, 
were alive today, he'd be looking at their little offshoot group and he'd say, well, these high-ranking ministers are all there. And maybe they're not doing as powerful of a work as, as I did, but it's still pretty nice to see them doing something as if Mr. Armstrong would have been swayed by humans of high rank. He would have seen their little church and said, well, all these high-ranking ministers under me are now in this offshoot church. So I'm going to favor them. That must be where God is. That is a classic example of following human beings instead of following God wherever he may lead and with whomever he may choose. God chooses human leaders in, in a way that is very different from how we would choose them. God is not impressed by physical stature and appearance so much as he is by the heart. God knows who is going to be loyal to him, who is going to serve him, who is going to put the focus on him instead of on trivial things like human messengers. So God picks his messenger, his leader, based on the heart. Here is page seven of the introduction. Mr. Flurry says, speaking of this example I just described, Satan has gotten this man's mind focused on men, not the message of Christ. As one of our members said, it doesn't matter who the postman is as long as he brings the right mail. Now, just because we have to focus more on God and more on the message doesn't mean that <laughs> the messenger, any, any person, <laughs> wouldn't care about the way he presents a subject when speaking, the way he makes decisions. Speakers are always taught that the audience is going to place high priority on the, who the speaker is, the personality of the speaker himself, especially if the audience personally knows the speaker. Speakers have to make sure that they are living what they are talking about not just talking about it with, with no action to back it up. So speakers do care about the audience tendency to focus on who is speaking, even over what is being said. But when we are the audience, it's our job to try to focus more on the message itself. It's our tendency to focus on speakers 
who they are. But we have to care more about the message and if it's even true. Someone like Barack Obama was very eloquent in some ways when he spoke. He had a pretty decent sense of humor a lot of the time. And yet he would tell bold, outrageous lies. You see, though, the audience would basically swoon over him when he would speak. The media did that. They were just in love with Barack Obama. And they didn't even pay attention to what he was actually saying. And all that he did to set this nation up for destruction. And we can see that so much more clearly today than we could during that presidency. But that's just one example of how dangerous it can be to focus more on the speaker or the messenger than on the message. What matters more than anything is if the message is true. If the message, when we're talking about God's church, is from God. Is it from God? Is it true? And then... If, that, if those things are, if those questions are answered affirmatively, if the message is from God, if the message is true, that's so much more relevant than who the messenger himself actually is. But again, we speakers always care about trying to be credible and, and things like that. Here's a great quote from Malachi's message, page nine. Individuals go astray. Churches go astray. Christ never goes astray. A man is not the trunk of the tree. An organization is not the trunk of the tree. God's word is the trunk of the tree. And what Christ established through Mr. Armstrong for over 50 years is a big part of the tree trunk. That's what this church split was all about. This church split that Malachi's message warned about and exposed and gave clarity to. This rebellion in the Worldwide Church of God after Mr. Armstrong died in 1986 it was all about truth. Doctrines were dismantled by his successors. Satan demolished God's church from within. All but about 5%. And there's only a much smaller group today actually loyal to God. And they could find where God is working by studying Malachi's message, it proves where God is today. But notice this. If you're, if you're picturing a tree, you've got the roots, the branches, the leaves, the fruits, and there you have the trunk. 
the thickest, strongest part. And that trunk of the tree is the truth. Like Mr. Flurry said, it's God's word. And then God used someone like Mr. Armstrong to form a big part of that tree trunk as well, to restore foundational biblical truths to God's church and to write and speak prolifically for decades to expound on what the Bible already says. That is all the trunk of the tree. That's what we have to cling to and wrap our arms around that truth made so readily available today in the PCG through our websites, all of these different programs and publications and literature through something like Celtic throne even, and the message that a music and dance production can deliver. That's all truth coming from God. Something to cling to like a drowning man to a helping hand. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.